welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Hello! And today we're talking about Volume 4 of To Your Eternity. The follow-up volume to Volume 3. I, well, I guess that's obvious, but it, it is very much tied to Volume 3. Um, <laughs> as this series so far has been kind of like a two-book-at-a-time thing. You know, with mm -hmm. the first two being about March and Perona. And these... Two most recent ones have been about Gugu and Reen. And yeah, uh, without further ado, I guess let's talk about the characters one at a time. And let's start with Fushi as usual. His body, as we saw at the end of the last volume, has grown older. Uh, which I think is interesting just because like the boy never got to be that old. And so mm. it's like... And, and it is explained that since he hasn't changed away from that form at all in the past four years... That's why he mm -hmm. is affected by time, just like anybody else's. Uh, but it is, I think, especially interesting just because this, like, no one ever looked like that. Like, no human ever looked the way he looks now because that boy died before he got to be that old. Uh, mm. So it's interesting in that way, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's just his body is able to replicate what the aging process would have been like for the boy. Yeah. So it's very, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, for sure. I, I We kind of like talked about this uh, last time. And I think that, I, I mean, my, my assumption was wrong because I didn't realize that he just hadn't transformed the whole time. Mm, mm. Uh, because, you know, when, as soon as he transforms, he goes back to, you know, how the boy used to look. Right. And everything. But I, I still think that what what we were saying is still true in that he's maturing. He's basically going through the life cycle of a human being, mm -hmm. you know, from a baby to an infant to child and, and et cetera. And, and I, now I think he's in kind of a teenager adolescence uh, stage where he begins to question things yes. and oh, yes. uh, he's able to, or he tries to, vent his emotions in certain ways yeah, a little more rash in some of his decision making and mm -hmm. I, I think that you could see that there's definitely a change happening in him as he becomes i guess you could say more human but also just starts to grow more and becomes more mature yeah he, he has learned so much over these past four years like he, he mm -hmm. speaks perfectly normally now and just the way he has adapted to human life is awesome just because he really embraced that. He made the choice to embrace human life and uh, just live completely as a human. We also learned that he, he hasn't even been using any other powers either. Like, he hasn't been creating items and stuff. He just wants to live just like everybody else, like Gugu and the others. And I think that's very respectable and really awesome. He's living his little mermaid life right there. <laughs> yeah. Want to be as the humans are. Right. The people are. Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he still can't read a map, though, or at least at the beginning of this volume, he doesn't know how to read a map. <laughs> no one's uh, got time for that. Right. <laughs> um, one thing we talked about last time a little bit was whether, like, he can only feel pain or if he can maybe feel other types of feelings and emotions in people. And it does seem at the beginning of this book that he is able to feel, pick up on Reen's affection uh, for Gugu, mm -hmm. which I guess if you... Depending on how you see it, I guess you could see it as some kind of pain, but it seems more like, well, 
just the the sense of liking someone a lot uh, right that he's picking up on that so maybe it is more than just pain that he can notice in people yeah again we saw this a bit in volume three but mm. having it here is a little different because he doesn't recognize it as pain this time he indicated hey wait this is the same thing as goo so he understands that it's different than pain or at least mm. at least he makes it seem like he does right <laughs> so i'm thinking that he's got to be able to be to differentiate between the two as not just some sort of pain but i could be misreading it yeah no but i i think i think so too it seems it seems that way uh, and i also had the thought that maybe pain is easier for him to pick up on or to sense uh but mm. that he can theoretically feel anything in others but pain might be especially easy because it's like maybe such a strong kind of thing perhaps uh although that's that's just something that came came to mind uh potentially something like that okay it's a, it's a stronger stimuli <laughs> in a sense perhaps yeah yeah mm. but yes um what i thought was really a really nice little callback that he made uh, at the party was he recited some of perona's last words to him he said to Gugu, yeah. the way you live is something you win for yourself. I thought that was awesome. And could, that was especially awesome. because at the time, because that was like volume two. And at that time, he hadn't started really talking yet. Like not mm -hmm. pro properly anyway. And so it was kind of questionable, like whether, like how much he understood of people. Like when people talked to him, it was like, we, we couldn't know for sure exactly to what extent he understood them. But it, it appears that he did understand her words there and like not, not just the words, but understand the meaning behind them, too. And because he was able to use yeah. them in such a profound way here. So mm -hmm. really like that. Yeah, I, lo I loved it. And mm -hmm. I think it, going to what you're talking about, it, it's a stimuli that uh, left an impression on him. Whether he was able to understand it at the time, now after four years later, he's able to remember those words and or understand what he's saying or what what they mean right right that's although maybe although at the same time he may not remember where they came from exactly although he could although he knows he wasn't the one who said it fair <laughs> yeah who knows yeah they, i guess there is a lot we don't know completely but but still it was really nice and since especially now since perona hasn't been in these books yeah for, for, for two whole books now uh it was really nice to kind of get that little little reminder of her, kind of, you know, she hasn't been forgotten. She's, mm -hmm. you know, she's still relevant, even though she's not here right now. Mm -hmm. After March's form was stolen by the knocker, and Fushi was, you know, he was getting out of the rubble as the in, in the form of the boy, he felt Gugu's pain as he was getting out of there. Um, and it was, it was uh, kind of visualized by these little zing things like black little sparks kind of yeah uh, he was feeling gugu's pain and it was it seemed like it was I mean, obviously that that was when gugu was taking the whole debris over uh, on top of him like as we mm -hmm. as we saw later on so that that was a lot of basically probably like more or less unbearable pain that gugu was experiencing and and gugu felt that or sorry and fushi felt that and that obviously led up to him Turning into Gugu, uh, right at as Gugu did die, and that was one of the most devastating moments I think. Uh, just his reaction, first of all, and how he he felt that Gugu died. He like he felt the pain that led up to his death, 
yet he was still in denial about it as he was fighting the knocker. That was ah oh, so so sad. Mm-hmm. Terribly sad. <sighs> he he really did lose a brother, and yeah, March's death was painful uh, for the reader and, and Perona, and and even to Fushi himself. Obviously, that was technically or not technically, but that was in a way figuratively his mother. Yes. But this death, I I think, it just has so much more weight for all the ca- people involved. Mm. Uh, but but well. I won't say all the people because that death was really hard on Perona. The, hmm. th- this death has more weight for Fushi because he has been with Gugu for such a long time, like long the longest time he's spent with one person. Yeah. And he'd gone through so much change and progression, growth, that he, that of course he had grown attached to Gugu in the way he did. Yeah. So I think... In this case, Gugu's death had much more of an impact and just made it much more difficult for him. Yeah, yeah, totally. And on top of that, it's also the first time he experienced death after having become aware of what it is and what it means. Because it was in the previous volume that Gugu taught him what death is and all about that. So, Mm. you know, when he experienced the death of the boy and the death of March... While he was affected by those events, like, he didn't quite fully understand it. But at this point, he has grown up to the, that, well, he, he has grown up enough so that he, he knows what it means. He knows how final it is and just, yeah, just how sad it is. And yet he, he, yeah, he understands death to the point where he, he understandably will be more affected by it than he was when he was more or less an infant you know right and and yeah just seeing him so absolutely broken is completely understandable after all of this like i think him dealing with gugu's death was portrayed really well because it was like there it was there the entire time after gugu had passed away we there was like in in various ways it was always there with fushi like in every scene you could you could see in various ways how how Gugu's death had affected him and how it was weighing him down and all of that stuff. Like, it was so... I, I thought that was so well executed. Agreed. Completely. <sighs> Going back real quick to... You were talking about, like, the pain... Yes. Symbolism. Um, like, the sparkingness. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know exactly <laughs> what you call it, but... Right, right. In comparison, when he was talking with Reen and he could feel her feelings for Gugu, there was circular bubbles kind of around that part. So I wonder if we're seeing more visualization of these feelings that he's able to feel in others or these stimulus or pain. I don't know. Um, Mm. At the very least, when Lean was feeling something, it was these bubbly things. Right, yeah, yeah. When Gugu was feeling that immense pain, it was these sparks. Exactly. uh, Lack of a better word. Right, yeah. Totally, totally. I think that's definitely, like in both instances, I think it's definitely those emotions of various kinds being visualized for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Moving on, I guess, a little bit. When Reen came 
to visit after the whole thing had happened when she came to the house, and Fushi just sort of panicked and turned into Gugu kind of on a whim. When Rin hugged him, he had the same question in his head that Gugu had had many yeah. times. Why am I me? And I think that I, th I had two ideas as to why he would, like why that question would come up to him. Like, well, obviously it came from Gugu, as we know from previous times. Like, he does adapt, like, thoughts and mindsets of, of sorts um, from the people that he, well, the people that pass away that he takes the form of. But uh, I think it, part of it could be that he, like, he's, he's, because he's able to take the form of Gugu, but he can never truly completely become him is why he might be asking himself, why am I me? But the other idea I had was uh, related to what he said later when he lies to Reen and says that Fushi was the one who died uh, and not Gugu. I had the thought that maybe part of him sort of wishes that it had been him that died instead of Gugu. Mm. Uh, and that's also like that, that could also be a reason for why he's questioning that like why am I me potentially yeah I think yeah, that's a good one I'm, I'm sure he feels immense guilt for Gugu's death and taking Gugu away from Dean and the, the rest of their family and everything yeah I could see that what one other way I saw it was maybe he is questioning because of because of having taken Gugu's will he is questioning why he is the way he is, why he is this immortal being that basically takes on the death of those he loves and also brings about this death. <laughs> well, wherever he goes, the knocker comes and kills mm. people along the way. And that's hard for him. Uh, people get, at least now, you know, people get in danger. And... I think he may be questioning that, you know, why am I this way? Why is this always happening? Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's right. that's one way I, that's the way I took it then. But mm -hmm. I could definitely see it being um, more of a, why was it Gugu and not me who died? Right. No, but I, 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 like, I like your idea there too. I hadn't considered that exactly, but I, I definitely like that one as well. I like how there's all these different ways to interpret this pretty simple question <laughs> or well it's mm. not it's not a simple question why am i me it's a very big question to be fair <laughs> but anyway uh, <laughs> it's a short question <laughs> right right um but yeah that that's really interesting after he leaves he and you know he starts talking to the beholder as he's walking away uh and he as you mentioned earlier like he starts really questioning the beholder about uh like trying to really understand everything about himself about the beholder himself and about the world and the knockers and everything like he really is trying to understand it all and he really expresses himself like how he feels mm -hmm. his, his emotions like it's all laid bare there kind of which i thought was a really nice new side of him that we hadn't really gotten to see exactly before yeah i really like it i think being able to express or at least starting to express your emotions is is the sign that you're starting to grow up you're starting to mature mm -hmm. now the next step is be able to control that or right. to vent that in other ways. So yeah, I'm excited to see where he, where he grows from here and what this next arc brings for him in terms of growth. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. So interesting. So exciting. But uh, speaking of growth, we, we do kind of... Well, he, he's trying to experiment and try to gain new stimuli as he's traveling with Pioran. 
and he kind of figures out that just like he can transform himself into any item or, or piece of food like that he would usually create, like replicate, he has, you know, as we know since before, he, he is able to turn his body into, into that and lose consciousness. But similarly, he can also, presumably anyway, as he speculates, create like the limp bodies of the people that he would usually normally take the forms of himself as he does with mm. the with a crab for example oh yeah um so th that was an interesting little thing about his body so i guess basically at the core as far as his powers are concerned it's really all the same like the shapes that he takes and the shapes that he creates it's all drawn from the same library or whatever you however you want to call it and so it doesn't really differentiate like a body well whether it has a life or not it doesn't differentiate a body from a a weapon or an item like like something like that it's all kind of the same uh, as far as those powers are concerned hmm. he just can't create life it seems so that was a, a little bit new of new information on that at the end of the book it kind of moves into a new arc as it seems anyway where Fuji and Pjorn are taken prisoners and sent to Jinanda Island, where Fuji signs up to fight in an arena in order to save Pjorn and himself. Yeah, poor Pjorn. Yeah, yeah. It is nice to have her along, though. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, man, things are not going well. But Fuji, man, man, is I'm not losing anybody else on this freaking journey. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I doubt it. <laughs> uh, well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, I could be wrong. The I mean it would be would be nice, but anyway anyway, what I thought was one of the nicer parts of this volume was basically the very very end, where Fushi wins that battle at the arena by exposing himself. He doesn't worry about what people will think of him or about what will happen to him, just like Gugu did in the end mm. of his life. Right. So that was. Another nice wisdom that he got from Gugu. So yeah, do you got anything more on Fuji? I do not. All right, then let's move on to Gugu himself, the hero, the man. <laughs> yeah, honestly, one of my favorite characters that I've I've read. I mean, maybe mm. this is just the high, and I'd be tempted to put him on a top ten list of favorite characters, but at the same time, he had such little time compared to others that is that fair but uh, it was just so well so well done for the mm. short amount of time he was there that that entire arc of his um, was great and so so much so that when i realized that he was dying and that him i mean i was sad for fushi but i was probably mostly sad for reen Yes. Um, yes. When they had their moment together, I, I was bawling. Yeah. I I could not stop crying, and I I think I cried through the next three chapters or so. I just could mm. not stop. You and me both. And I don't know if I if I've had that experience uh, reading a manga before. Mm. Um, so I, I've Attack on Titan, the ending, um, few chapters hit me pretty hard, but um, not 
not to this extent, I don't think. Right. Uh, and that and that's strong because I I really like uh, the the tragedy that um, was in Attack on Titan throughout the whole story, but even then I feel like this is I don't know for me it was on another level and maybe it's because I'm I'm, I'm kind of susceptible to, to romance romance kind of stuff but <laughs> still th- this this was really impactful and yes uh, I think it will go down as one of my favorite tragic love stories in a sense right dude like screw Romeo and Juliet Gugu and Reen is where it's at yeah <laughs> yeah right amen <laughs> Um, but like legit though, like I completely relate to everything you said there. Like this was like, I remember vividly the first time I read this volume, I was actually at my parents' place, um, just trying to kill some time. So I, and I I was reading the series at the time. So I picked up the next volume in line, which happened to be this one. And Mm -hmm. I sat down in the living room, just started reading the book kind of casually and God, that was not a good place to be around people when I was reading that. <laughs> um, and today, when I read it for my second time, like about a year, about a year later, I I cried just as much, if not more. Like my tears were, or my my cheeks were like like soaking wet, and my eyes were overflowing, like I was drowning in tears. Like oh, it was crazy. It was like legit. I was. It wasn't just like tears running down as I was reading. It was like. I was legitimately like crying with my whole voice. Like that that that's <laughs> that doesn't happen often. But and and I I agree. Like I don't think any other manga has gotten that much out of me as as much as this one has. It's right. really something special, truly. It was only two volumes that we've had Gugu here. Right. Yeah, right. It's like wow. <laughs> that makes it even more that's more impressive. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So, yeah, uh, I guess getting a little bit more into detail on Gugu's story in this volume here. I think he was right in being hard on Shin, like his brother, when he showed up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, after those four years. He was being very hard on him, and I don't blame him at all for that. It was awful, you know, what he did to Gugu, and I think Gugu had already shown him kindness after the fact in the previous volume when he gave him the ring. And, and yeah... I guess I'll talk more about Shin later, but uh-huh. I, but I I do think Gugu was like I support him acting the way he did I guess, and uh, I thought also in that scene it was beautiful how he described his new family to Shin, every mm-hmm. one of them Pioran, Boozman, Reen, Fushi, and uh, it really goes to show how happy he was with them, and I really like that. Yeah, I I am behind you. I I think that Gugu totally was in the right for saying no to his brother, not just because of the terrible things that, or, you know, the terrible decision that Sheen made, but more so that he went through so much, his life had been changed, and he's gotten to a point where he's happy and able to accept himself, Mm. that going back to what his previous life would have been Mm. is almost betraying what he is right now. And I think that him making the decision to stay as he is and not go back to his, with his brother shows how, how much he's grown and to, to appreciate um, yeah. the man he's become. And yeah, I think I, I admire him for that decision. 
Absolutely. Totally. And uh, later on, uh, or a little bit later, he woke up to Reen's sort of love confession uh, <laughs> when she was trying to put the ring on his finger. And she was, I mean, yeah. she, she was very rushed at the moment. She was very stressed out in the sense in that scene, I, I think. Um, mm. But that just waking up to all of that must have been so overwhelming and confusing like i i don't blame him for acting so just weirded out by it as he was um like he was definitely not ready for any of that uh, mm -hmm. especially since it's possible that he might not have really suspected that she felt the same way about him uh, right you know he obviously must have wished for that to be the case but he he it's very possible that he just maybe he was completely under the assumption that she didn't like him back and that would have made that scene even more just overwhelming and confusing for him. And it is also confirmed in that scene that he does indeed not have any memory of what he said to her when he was drunk. Right. So. Yeah, man. The booze just makes you go all away. I can't <laughs> <Yeah>. remember him. <laughs> Perfect amnesiac. You're right. Especially if you're 12 years old, you're probably very, <laughs> um, very sensitive to that. Yeah, kind of unfortunate, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a stereotype where the hero accidentally confesses his love, <laughs> doesn't realize it. Right, yeah. Ishigami. <laughs> that that scene, though, like, between him and Reen, uh, you know, when he had just woken up, was, it was such a kind of cringy in a way, but, like, I thought it was still a really good scene. Like, it was really, like, the two characters were really well written, I think, in that scene, and it really just... I think it set up the the party really well because I thought yeah. it was it was really nice how at the party things were kind of stiff between them at first but then it eventually led to the scene between them where they were able to kind of start talking more openly very openly like more probably than than they had ever done before sadly that was interrupted by the knocker attack but mm -hmm. I think going from that kind of stiff uh, facade thing that they had at, at the start of it uh, made the moment later on work really, really well. Yeah. And speaking of the birth birthday party, um, on his way there, he bought the dream bellflower for Reen, the purple flower that he had seen her picking at the, well, before he had saved her life back then. Uh, and those are the flowers that I chose to have to use in our YouTube thumbnails for this podcast series. Right. So that's that's where that is from because that's uh, well, as as you know, I've said before, volume three and four are my two favorite volumes. So I wanted to have something impactful from that part of the story, kind of represented in our thumbnails. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really nice move from <laughs> from Gugu yeah. to give those flowers to her. I mean, obviously, he didn't know that they were considered a bad omen. Yeah. <laughs> but because they were the first gift that Gugu gave to Reen, she was obviously okay with it, mm. which, again, I mean, goes to show that the strength of their relationship at that point. But I think it enables them to talk to each other about what happened that day and, and not mm. be afraid of what the other will think. Well, yeah. mostly Gugu not be afraid of what, Reen would say and give Reen the idea to say, wait a minute, maybe this, maybe there's a connection here. Right, for sure. 
and he ended up saving Reen's life one last time by shielding her from the rubble of the collapsing building. Uh, he kind of saved it. He kind of saved her twice in this story. Once when the scaffold, not scaffolding, the they were on a deck of some sort, and then it it crumbled. He pushed her out of the way as it crumbled down. So he saved her then, and then he saves her from the debris. Right. Which was the first one you meant? Oh, oh, there, yeah, 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 exactly. It's subtly kind of, ha- yeah, it, 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 it's not shown really, like, very clearly, but yeah, he does push her back there mm-hmm. uh, when the knockers initially attacked her. Right, exactly. Right. And as they're kind of lying there under all of the debris, and that that final conversation between them is one of my favorite conversations in probably all of manga. Like, that interaction there is just so beautiful so well put together um everything about how they decide to you know go pick picking those flowers again together and Mm. oh my god i can't even talk about this without tearing up a little bit it's just (laughs) it's just such a beautiful scene and then you know it culminates in the in the kiss and but 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 before that gugu does say to reen that that he loves her uh and literally face to face but i thought that 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 detail was really important as well. Like he didn't didn't just say "I love you." He said it when looking directly at her, with no mm-hmm. mask between them, nothing between them. And yeah, that was such a perfect moment. I mean, I don't mean to call anybody out, but if someone if someone reads this and they are not emotional, <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. Like you uh-huh. need to grow up. Maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe stop watching Naruto or uh, Sword Art Online or whatever. But, like... Oh, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, look, I think there is something so poetic mm. about this romance here in, in, in the way it's written mm. that, I don't know, it, it, it's able to stir... It, it, and, and a feeling within within you when you when you read it that sometimes you don't get in other mediums or in in other series. Um, yeah, I, I, people get sad and emotional, and I'm not saying like this is the best thing ever written, but I think it's I think it's up there in terms of romance and mm. and tragic and tragic love stories. I really do. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, I'd be surprised if someone. It, someone were to say it like if they were a fan especially if they were a fan of this kind of stuff and they would oh, yeah. say i didn't it didn't do anything for me i mm. i'd be shocked yeah oh really absolutely <laughs> yeah just so so well done so well done. like yoshitoki oima just one of my all-time favorite writers and storytellers and artists like oh i love i love i love her so much <laughs> mm. uh large like mostly for this story but you know a silent voice is also i think a masterpiece but uh, but this one especially. I I did. Wa- I finally watched that Silent Voice. I guess we can talk about it later. Oh, but I finally oh, nice. watched it R- recently or. Yeah, just oh. like a few, few days ago. Oh, lovely, awesome. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> cool. I'm happy to hear it. But um, I guess my last couple of things on Gugu here was is kind of like after after he passed away stuff, where basically the same as with March, he found himself in a sort of like seemingly like a paradise kind of where everything was just perfect for him and basically all of his dreams were fulfilled until he kind of realizes that everything is a little bit too perfect uh and so we realize that 
he was well that well that that he had passed away it was basically the exact same thing as as we had saw with march in volume two mm-hmm. and what i well, one of the things i love the most about that was when like basically the imagery of him holding his arms around all of the others as they're crying um it was so touching to me and i do think that in death he forgave his brother and i think hmm. i think that was well if, if that is the case anyway which i think yeah. because he, he is he has this he, he's holding uh like his arms around everyone including his brother and his brother is actually one like i think it's uh boozman and his brother are the two that he's holding his arm or his his hands on uh, in that last image there so i do think he forgives his brother and i think that's a really nice thing even though he was already dead i think it's nice mm-hmm. in the moment where you know gugu is talking to fushi and says i have no regrets which i really liked by the way mm. that you see march behind behind the door looking kind of shy exactly I was trying to think why that would be the case, other than big, big person here, big, big stranger here, you know, scary guy. But I, I go back to March's death. March saw the bear when she had died in in a similar kind of way that March and Gugumi. So if they, if they, it just makes me wonder if there's like a, a kind of a passing of a torch or a welcoming <laughs> committee thing going on mm. where yeah, you know the previous entry to fushi's i guess collection transformation collection that's a terrible thing to say but uh <laughs> welcomes a new one but other than that i can't think of the reason why she would be there and just mm. kind of hiding i had a thought about that actually oh yes please do basically in the battle with the knocker, it was the form of March that was stolen away. So at that point in time, Fushi doesn't have any recollection of March, and he doesn't—he isn't able to transform into her. Oh. So I'm thinking it might be related to that. That like. Okay. Yeah. Somehow, somehow her spirit, or whatever, whatever these things are, somehow it's she's with him, but maybe not to the extent that the others are like that Gugu and the wolf and the bear are mm. although i mean i that that was my best uh interpretation of that because she definitely it was definitely like something about that right because right. i don't think like seeing march that way definitely was peculiar and since she was the only one that was stolen by the knocker i think it might be related to that like she is there but she's being held back somehow maybe by the knocker power yeah i could see that mm. like she yeah she's still there but all of Fushi's memory of her is gone so Fushi himself can't recognize or see her mm. but she's still technically still there right right maybe something like that yeah I think I think so okay that's yeah oh, I like that mm-hmm. oh I will look I will take that as my own <laughs> cool well I mean share I will share that with you with you lovely lovely do you got anything more on Gugu no I really don't have much other than that just just how emotional was for me to read to read that and yes i could see you know a lot of people getting to that part in the anime and <laughs> just bawling and putting this a lot higher up on their list of favorite shows i'm sure like so far like just judging by how the anime has been doing so far i have very high hopes for this part of it 
once it gets there. Uh, if it's already been covered by the time this episode releases, which I'm sorry, uh, so far there's only been two Gugu episodes released in the anime as, as of when we were recording this, so I have not seen that yet. But but yeah, I am so excited to see it animated because yeah, it's it, I'm sure it will be fantastic. Hmm. Uh, the music also is phenomenal in this uh, in this anime, so I'm sure that can also add a lot to moments like this. Indeed. But anyway, let's move on to Reen. We learn pretty much right off the bat that she is turning 16, so we were right about uh, well, assuming her age or her and Google's <laughs> ages, because I mean I I think it's safe to say they're 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 basically the same age, like they can't be yeah. too far apart. So saying that they're both 16 here is pretty pretty safe bet, I think. I agree. Um, so it was, it was nice to get get that uh, confirmed, and she and Fushi have become great friends. Like they have, as we see, like basically the first scene in the book, it was really nice to see kind of the dynamic they'd been able to kind of create, and the friendship they they have at this point in the story is really really nice. Basically, like making jokes with each other and sewing <laughs> things together, and like yeah, just yeah, really really sweet dynamic. Oh yeah, and we also learn about her being forced into marriage uh, against her will. Yeah. And of course, she wants to marry someone that she actually loves, and that's Gugu, which was also nice to get confirmed in this book because it wasn't, I it was never perfectly made clear in the first one. I mean, she may not have even felt that way in the first book. It might be something that's developed over these four years, but at the very least, it was nice to know that uh, from the get-go of this volume. So here's my thoughts on on her feelings for Gugu, or at least how they developed. Uh -huh. I, I think over time, yeah, they definitely developed. I think Gugu probably had a little crush on her longer than she did. But we do know that at the very least, she took notice of him from a, from a long time, from all the, you know, when he was selling the, the vegetables. Right. So, you know, at the very least, she she was aware of him took notice of him now, now whether or not she had any sort of feelings at that time it can't i guess we can't really say but at the very least um she was able to recall that moment when she received that ring back right um via sheen and whatnot so i think yeah it's just over time as she got to know gugu and um as as they kind of grew up in those four years I totally think that she grew to love, and of course that that confession he made, <laughs> that drunken confession he made, probably was a catalyst for some of those feelings as well. Mm. I, I think uh, even before that, in the scene they had in the in the tent. Oh, I, yeah, I, it wasn't the start, it, but I think mm. it definitely kind of got her thinking about it. A True. Lot. <laughs> True. Yeah, for sure. It definitely started growing in in volume three, and surely has been growing into something much bigger during these past four years. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, because I had, the, I had the thought after I had read, read this volume today that, ooh, what if there would be like a spin-off book or books that just covers these four years? But then I'm like, yeah, I guess that that might just be like unnecessary filler that might ruin kind of the magic of it. Maybe. At the same time, I can't, I can't help but feel like, ah, oh, it would be so much fun to just see these characters more. <laughs> True. So I'm true. kind of torn on that. <laughs> yeah, getting more Gugu and Indian would be awesome. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love yeah. those two. <laughs> <laughs> I like how in the beginning we see she's asking Fushi questions about Gugu, yes. where 
when she first came to the story, she was asking Gugu about Fushi. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a <laughs> kind of a switch in, in dynamic in, right. in, in her interests. And that's why I think at the very beginning, I think she had a little crush on Fushi, um, but just kind of like you know, just a little, um, you know, oh he he's an older guy. I, I heard you know. Well, yeah, he, he he's tall and he's cute. Like, right, right. It's kind of so, shallow, kind of on but, that, on but that not, level. Right, yeah, pretty shallow. So nothing, nothing deep. Hmm. But as as time went, obviously she grew more of a deep love for Gugu. Yeah, and actually, actually, real quick on that, I think Gugu's initial crush on Reen was probably just as shallow as that, but it also sure became something much more. Yeah, hmm. I agree, definitely, and and obviously, Volume Three was the reason for that. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But I just love that scene. I, I, I know you're calling it cringe, but... No, I, I, I loved it, too. I just... I, I loved the cringe. <laughs> yeah. The scene with uh, Gugu sleeping and her just coming up to him. I, uh-huh. I, just, I just loved her faces and how kind of like, giddy she was during that moment. Like, you know, you could, you could tell that she was just really happy to, to see him and, and was, you know, feeling these love feelings what whatever you call it yeah um and i and i think it i think it's it's odd that she would but kind of endearing as she puts trying to put the ring on his hand (laughs) and i don't know if you notice and maybe maybe i'm not aware but the 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 finger she was putting the ring on was the wedding finger wasn't it oh The, the left the, the left, left ring, ring finger? finger. Yeah, she was totally putting on. Yes, a... yes, that that does look like the wedding finger. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and so, which, I mean, one, I mean, one that's the, I mean, that's, that's not <laughs> subtle, but it's it's funny to me, or not funny, but it, it's cute to me because when you fast forward after her after Gugu's death and she's on the bed of uh, the purple flowers, the dream bell flowers. Hmm. She has the ring on her we- on her wedding ring, on her wedding finger. Right. Oh yeah. Precisely. Yeah. And that's really yeah, nice. that's, that kind of hurt me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. That, that that that's a really nice catch. So I I you know I, I love I love the love between these two and I mean we're not I'm not necessarily done per se but just uh, you know I don't you know what, I don't even know if I need Ian to come back to the story I mean if she does great hmm. um I you know let you know, more character growth for her sure but i think their their story was just so nicely concluded yeah or beautifully concluded and i guess nicely is the wrong word for some people eh. you can't it can't it can't be tragic at nice like okay fine beautifully <laughs> right. beautifully uh concluded mm. that to add any more might take away from that but yes. i am not the author Right, right, exactly. Yeah, no, but I, I, I can definitely, I can definitely agree there. Like, then that, that, that's kind of why I was feeling, you know, earlier when I said about, oh, what if she did like a spin-off thing that takes place over the time skip? Like, it, mm-hmm. kind of the same reason why I'm like a bit skeptic to that still. It's like because what we have is just so perfect and just yeah. as as it is. But yeah, about the scene where she tried to put the ring on his finger, I think. Well, she she's kind of, I think a bit stressed well i think she's partially stressed out in that stream to a degree because kind of time is running short and because her her she needs to 
kind of make her thing with him official before her birthday. Like, I think she feels that's a true, bit of pr- time pressure. Mm-hmm. So she does, I think that's part of why she kind of acts a little bit weird in that scene. Uh, and yeah. also because just moments before that, Fushi had told her that Gugu likes her, which mm. she might not have known for sure. Well, okay, I know she 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 did. Probably. <laughs> she okay, yeah, no, actually, but but at the same, well, okay, so four years ago, a drunk Gugu told her that he loved her most. <laughs> but now, like, so, but that that was a long time ago. So for Fushi uh-huh. to tell her that now, I think that still made a big impact on her, and yeah, that 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 made her very happy. It could be that she took those drunken words more seriously after Fushi said oh, yeah. that Gugu likes you. So. Exactly. Precisely. Uh, so I think there was a big mix of like just feeling very, very, very happy and also mm. being a little bit stressed out, kind of in a rush about, about all of that. That made her act the way she did in that scene. Kind of short-tempered and, and yeah, just a little bit off somehow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I just like... Yeah, yeah. So don't get me wrong. I, I still really like that scene. It's just, uh, and, and you know, it makes sense with all this said. Uh, but it is definitely a, an odd scene, I think, in a, in a way, like the way she kind of confesses to him in that rushed manner, kind of. Uh, it. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. I love. I also love the the scene on the balcony, where. Yes. Balcony was the word I was trying to remember a while oh. ago. Oh, right. I was saying like deck or, or whatever. Anyway, oh, oh. Balcony. <laughs> uh, I loved that scene between them two, between those two, because it's just kind of a back and forth of remembering that that day that Gugu saved her life, and I mean obviously Gugu knew all along, but it it took Nina a while to pick up on it, but mm. to share in that moment together and to have Gugu realize that she doesn't hate him for what he did yeah uh, i don't know it was just a, it was a really great moment and i was so upset that the stupid knocker mm. comes in and ruins that entire moment right uh you know i i know i know this is a old expression but this is why we can't have nice things <laughs> it's, I, it's all because of the knockers because <laughs> of the knockers yeah. you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to knock everybody out wait a minute um <laughs> I think it, it was it was a nice you know aha gotcha moment, and it added to the tragedy of it all. I, it really did, but man, it would have been great to have you know just not there than anything to ruin that moment. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just that's just not the kind of story she's trying to tell. Well, yeah, yeah, and she being Oima, right, and. Uh... I mean, if they hadn't arrived there, or if, if the knockers hadn't attacked there, then Gugu and Reen would have definitely confessed their love for each other right then and there. Right there, uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And if they had done that, then they couldn't have done it when they did it later on, which, like, those couple pages there, when they're, un- when they're underneath the rubble... Well, sure, That's for, for the... It was it was important for the tragic ending, like it, for the right. tragic love confession and everything. Like, I, of course, mm-hmm. of course, but for the happy, you know, <laughs> happily ever after love story, it it totally ruined it. <laughs> it, it did. It it absolutely did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it was also nice how Reen was able to. I, I think she put it together when 
she received the the dream bellflower from Gugu. She mm-hmm. may not have known for sure, but I think she was sort of suspecting that it was him that did save her that day. And basically that was why she asked him about how he ended up with his face the way it is. Because she was already suspecting that. She just wanted to hear from him. Yeah, agreed. Now, does this flower ever return back into the story in some aspect? Do you want me to answer that? or? Well, I, I guess it's more of like a rhetorical question. Right, yeah, yeah. Because they bring up the name Dream Bell... Was it Dream Bell? Is that what they called it? Dream Bellflower. Dream Bellflower. Like, Bellflower is a real-life uh, flower. Mm. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So it's a Dream Bellflower. I, w- I wasn't aware of the Bellflower. Mm. So Dream Bellflower. Okay. So maybe... Maybe it doesn't have any significance. I just want. I just thought maybe the, the name itself was mm. important. Gotcha. I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't know. But she did save Gugu's life uh, by shoving him aside, just like he had saved her mm-hmm. back then. Which I thought I thought was a nice touch. Well, actually, he he saved her by shoving her twice before that, <laughs> as you as you pointed yeah. out. Like, yeah. So and and now she. She saved him from the knocker by shoving him aside. Wasn't that a nice, nice little thing? Saving each other. Yeah, man. Supporting each other as real relationship should be. So perfect together. Yeah, there they are. Uh, and another thing I really loved was when they're lying there under the rubble, and they're having that moment, and she opens up his mask. And, you know, she sees his face for the first time right before they kiss. And, and well, and he, he tells her that he loves her. She doesn't even flinch. Like, she mm-hmm. she's only happy to see him, to be able to look at him. And that's one of the most beautiful things, I think, ever. Like, that's so, so yeah. good. So good. Why did he have to die? You will be missed. So, he will be so missed. The internet is gonna mourn for a long time when the anime gets there. I'm sure. <laughs> like this is one of the this is one of those deaths that you see coming because you know it's. I mean, obviously, Fushi's gonna get this this ability, but mm. as it, it it's like one of the most obvious yet least wanted deaths I've ever I've ever seen. Mm. You know, it, it, you know, some famous deaths in medium are either surprising or you, you see it coming from a mile away but it's just this one i didn't want it to happen yeah i i wanted him to keep on going in some capacity i wanted him to live a long life yeah so it just hits so hard i, I know we're talking about we're supposed to be talking about the now but i guess <laughs> this moment is related you know in that yeah, yeah. You know, Neen doesn't get to have that long life with the love of her life. And, you know, maybe she will never marry hmm. again, or not again, but never marry. Right. Um, I guess I guess we may never know unless she comes back to the story. But it's, I, I mean, I don't, I don't blame her. Yeah. Especially in the situation she is where she was able to find someone that she truly loved and potentially maybe one day marry the person that she loved but now that's taken away from her she could be forced into marrying something arranged 
Right. That that's just a maybe because the dad seemed to be somewhat supportive of her feelings at the end there. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm 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 not sure how long that support will last. Like maybe a few more, like two, four more years later, he's like, "All right, morning's over." <laughs> like, yeah, right, true. We can't know for sure. But I I really did like that moment though when she straight up tells him that she is not going to get married because she is in love with someone else. It's like mm-hmm. that was good, and I I I just well, I can only hope that she will hold on to that. And that she will be able to get her parents' blessing kind of on that. And that she will be able to, well, only marry someone that she is actually in love with. But more stuff after her, um, well, after Gugu's death. When she's talking to Fushi, when Fushi is in Gugu's form, he slips up. And he, he accidentally says, like... He accidentally almost says Gugu when he's talking when he's supposed to be talking about himself, and that I guess that that can be seen as Reen kind of starting to understand that something is up. However, I thought in that scene, it felt like it felt somehow like Reen was already before the slip up starting to kind of notice that that wasn't the real Gugu, like that she was talking to Fushi somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it happened like maybe when she was hugging him, like the initial hug there when she got in inside and just embraced him. Like maybe she noticed something then or th- or otherwise through interact, like just talking. I think she sensed that everything wasn't as it seemed even before that obvious slip up. Maybe she couldn't keep fooling herself once that slip up happened. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like at the very least though, uh, by the time that she's, you know, lying in the grass by the bellflower, or the dream bellflowers, and your father finds her, at least by then she has definitely been able to understand everything, you know. Oh, yeah. When she says that he's probably with him now. Ah, mm-hmm. that line. Oof. That, yeah. Because then, then it's like, yeah, she she knows. She understands everything. And, and, and this was kind of one of the things also that I kind of hint, or I mentioned or that was mentioned in the previous volume where Pioran says to Reen that Fushi has to become human fast, which I th- I still think could have been like the, in- the the first little hint to Reen that something supernatural sort of was happening there. Um, mm. But then with all of this new stuff added, I think she was able to piece it all together on her own. And it also it is also mentioned after after Gugu leaves when Pioran catches up to him that that Reen does know everything now, and that it was Reen who, or at least it seems like it was Reen that kind of wanted Pioran to go with Fushi. So, that was that was nice. Yeah. So, do we got anything more on Reen? I do not. All right. So then let's move on to Pioran a bit. As we said, she she goes with Fushi when he leaves, or she catches up to him, uh, and she goes with him even though he tries to go alone, or he he wants to go alone. And Fushi tells her about the black-hooded guy. So she's probably the only human that knows of him. Or at least actually like knows who, like what he's about, kind of. Right. So that's, that's interesting. That's nice he's able to confide in someone. Exactly. About that. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think it also gives Fushi a kind of a goal as he goes about his journey. You know, keep Bjorn safe. Yes. Um... Unfortunately, 
think is separated in this next arc. Yeah. Uh, but that still is his driving goal is to get Purin out of there. Precisely. Um, escape this area. So. Yeah. I guess so. She guess she becomes more of a mechanic <laughs> at <laughs> that guess. point. But I, I hope she's okay. I really do. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And she really is the one that she that that he has known the longest because she's been around ever True. since the March in Perona arc. Right. Uh, so that's really longer than Gugu, Reen, and and Boozman. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, she's she's hanging in there. I hope. She also gave us one of the well, one of my favorite quotes from this volume. She said, "If we're forgotten, that's when we truly die." Oh yeah. And I think that just really sums up one of the most important themes in this story because i think that's what it's about to a large extent ever since the first chapter it's been about remembering those that we love i agree and google even brings that up in volume three where he said he asks fushi to turn into him when when he Gugu dies exactly um and then he's like that way i'll know that someone at least someone is able to remember me mm-hmm and I'll be okay with that. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely a caring theme. For sure, for sure. Got anything more on Pjorn? I do not. Then let's talk about Booze Man a bit. Freaking jinxed it, man. <laughs> like, he's all like, yeah. man, I just, I just want him to live a long life. But, you know, live long enough so I could see him in his entirety, you know, see how he lives his life. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> red flags, red flags, booze man. You don't say that kind of thing in this story, okay? Yeah. Intellectual, my butt. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I thought. I thought it was really nice, though, how he admitted, you know, to Gugu how he thinks of him as his own grandson and like yeah. that whole that whole thing. He was really emotional, like. He got mm-hmm. so like that. This emotional side of of Boozman wasn't something we really got to see in the first book, or in like well, volume three, and I thought it was really nice to, to get that. How yeah, when he was going on about ah, oh, I hate the fact that I'm going to die before Gugu, because that way I won't be able to see him live through his entire life and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, it was really nice to see that side of him. Yeah. And and he worked for a whole year making that new uh, mask for Gugu, the fire-breathing helmet. So cool. <laughs> Such a cool invention. Yeah, it was. Also a really cool design, I think. Yeah, I, it, it's grown on me. I, I think I still like the first one better. I oh. don't know why. <laughs> I see. But I, I, I do think the second one is cool, too. Mm-hmm. I, I like how that kind of marks like the older him, in a sense. Like, whenever, yeah. whenever I think of... I guess presumably sixteen-year-old Gugu. I think of him with that mask, and when I think of the twelve-year-old Gugu, I think of him with the other mask. That's fair. But yes, uh, and is that it on Boozman? Yep. All right, then let's move on to Shin. How first of all, how does he have the nerve to show up out of nowhere after four years and say that <laughs> Gugu left him? Um, he said that. I, he said that. Like I, I, I know, I know, I know. I don't know why. How dare? <laughs> like. Is he talking about the when he gave the ring to Sheen and just just walked away? Is that what he's in, insinuating? But even if he is, you're the one who walked out on Gugu in the first place. Right. It doesn't even matter what he did after that, really. Y- yeah, you totally, know? absolutely. 
So, yeah, I, I don't. That's it. Seems like a backhanded compliment, if anything. Even mm. if he has his life all all together, which it seems like he does, that's that's not okay thing to say. Yeah. However, I will say that was really the only thing he said that I that that didn't sit right with me. Right. Yeah, I agree. I am overall, I ultimately pretty cool with him now. Um, you know, turns out he hadn't sold the ring, which I think was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, I feel bad for him to be honest because I think he did learn his lesson after that big mistake he made, which was you know to abandon Gugu. I think he he learned from that mistake and he has surely paid for it. Although that's no excuse, I still think what he did was absolutely terrible. But I do think that he has gotten kind of out of that as a probably a, a better man, a stronger person. Hmm. I think. Yeah. I agree with that, and I think, you know, for his, for his own character growth, it was, or his for his own character, it was important for him to seek forgiveness mm. um, in the way he did. But again, I don't blame Gugu for taking the side he did, and I'm glad that Sheen was able to accept that. And he didn't say, well, forget you, man, or anything like that. He said, I'll always be there for you. Yes. You know? Basically, as family should be, um, mm. especially if they make a mistake like that. Right. So I, I think that, you know, overall, yeah, he's made some incredible strides. And this whole interaction was much more wholesome. I mean, it, it was confrontational, but it was more a little more wholesome than I thought it would end up being. So mm. Mm. that was good, especially to see in this story where um, happiness is so fleeting sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And and he, I think he also really lived up to that, like what he said that he he wanted to be there for for Gugu, where he actually showed up at the crop house when it was crumbling. Yeah. You know, he just like uh, Pure and Boozman, there was a little bit where we saw them from a distance. They noticed that shit was going down over there, like apparently because it was such a big thing that was happening that it was probably noticeable from pretty far away. So uh, I imagine Shin probably knew that Gugu was was there that day and so he got worried when he noticed that you know there was a bunch of noise and smoke and things so he actually arrived ultimately too late but he was there to carry gugu's body away on his back so yeah at the very least i thought that was kind of nice indeed do you have anything specifically on the crop family like reen's parents or no i i don't not i mean besides of what the interaction between Neen and her dad at the end there. Right, which we talked about a little bit. Uh, you um, know, I wonder, it's just me just thinking about what ifs. You know, if if Gugu was able to survive after that whole entire incident, uh-huh. having saved Neen multiple times and the Krupp couple, mm-hmm. yeah, I, mean, I, I think more so than before, he would have left a great impression on her parents yes. and maybe would have been able to... Uh, take Nene's hand in marriage eventually mm-hmm. um, without it being, uh, with w- well, with support from the parents. I think so. But obviously that didn't, what won't happen. <laughs> I actually, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I actually have something to back that up because huh. there was a in-between chapter page again in this, in the physical book. Oh. Uh, which, is, which was straight up a, a, a letter from Ego's crop, the father, 
to uh, Shin, oh. in which he expressed his regret over everything that happened, and he acknowledged that Gugu had saved him and his wife, as well as their daughter's life that day, and how, like, it, it was, most of the letter was very much about him kind of praising Gugu, like, speaking very highly of him, and he also expressed that he, he wished to spend the rest of his life kind of repaying Shin for his brother's sacrifice because like to kind of make up for the loss that Shin had. It was a really nicely written letter, I think, from this character that initially in the story, like when we first get, got to see him, was not not super cool, it seemed. But I think I think as we also said a little bit last time, he's not all bad, you know. He he right. does have redeeming traits as well. But yeah, it was a really nice letter, I thought, uh, how he wrote that to Shin. And, and there was one other thing, actually, uh, touched on a little bit. Like, m most of it, as I said, was regarding kind of Gugu and how he, how he well, he seemed to really be well, appreciate his actions and be very sad over what had happened. But there was also a little bit, a little piece of that letter where he explains that he saw a mysterious and looming figure atop the pile of debris hmm. uh, after the house had crumbled. And he says that for a moment, no one could move, but then the figure disappeared and everything resumed kind of after that. And, well, the first place my brain went to was the Beholder. Because that's like, yeah. the, it seemed the obvious, the most obvious, at, I guess, at like, and I, think, I still think that's a very good possibility. Uh, hmm. However... Thinking about it a little bit more, I also had the, the thought that what if, alternatively, it's whoever or whatever created the knocker? Mm. Uh, it's not a bad idea either. Mm -hmm. Because I had the, mm -hmm. I think I had the speculation back in Volume 2 that there might be someone else with similar sorts of powers as the Beholder who created the knocker, potentially. Yeah. And if that's the case, it could have been that person or that being that was visible to egos for a moment there mm -hmm. but yeah it's hard to say but yeah that that letter anyway was in the in the physical book so just wanted to bring that up hey uh, all i'm saying is you know the mr krabs is talking or writing the letter sheen sheen your brother did so much for us i want to express my gratitude with you Here's my daughter's hand in marriage. What are you? Uh, no, no, no! Stop it with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> life is cruel, man. No, um, no, I'm kidding. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it will go that way. But, nah. Um, that's all. That's all I have on. Cool. On that. Then let's talk about the beholder. He gives Fushi a brief warning about the knocker attack, in this like. Right before, very brief warning, like very shortly before it actually attacks the crop estate. But a uh, little bit later in the volume, we also learn that he can sense the knockers, like their their whereabouts and stuff, and he can he can give Fushi that information, which should maybe be kind of useful, you know, moving forward. Uh, at least if he can give warnings more ahead of time than he did mm -hmm. now. For sure. Although I'm kind of hoping that the knocker comes and attacks this arena place because it doesn't <laughs> seem that great of, <laughs> great of a state. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, 
seems like a pretty messed up place. But maybe maybe next volume I'll have a different tune. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> it will be interesting to talk about it. More about the the Beholder. He, well, we kind of got it, I guess, completely confirmed this time. It was a little bit in the previous volume where Fushi becomes an object without a consciousness. The Beholder can just touch him to bring bring him up to like a form that does have consciousness. Hmm. Uh, that that was like more explicitly obvious i guess in this in this book and actually in that same scene like toward the end there right before uh Pioran catches up with fushi uh in his interaction with the beholder there was something in that interaction that made me think that maybe fushi has been in the world much longer than we know like Maybe hmm. maybe he's been combating the knockers far longer and like but but that he failed the last time and was thus reverted back to nothing. Like he had to start over from scratch. Oh. I kinda got that kind of feeling from that like the little bits of information that we got from the beholder in that scene. Huh. I, I don't actually know, but I think that could maybe be something kind of interesting. That's a possibility. Mm. That I I don't think I've really thought of because I just assumed the story just started from the beginning, like you know, the, right? <laughs> him dropping Fushi into the world, but maybe either that wasn't the first time he dropped Fushi into the world, or stuff went down in between all that. Right, that is very interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. Could be, could be because if 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 that is the case, then like this whole thing could go could go back like an infinite amount of time like it could have started like way 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 back potentially mm -hmm. um, but yeah i i am interested in at least it, it would be nice to figure to, to find out eventually if that is true or not you know that that's a good point because i i always thought the knocker knockers were incredibly strong to start off with mm. against when we first saw them their ability, abilities to steal Fushi's forms, well, it, it seems very strong, but its ability to use them and, and also the, the vegetation or, or whatever it, powers it has hmm. it seems like slightly overpowered in, in some ways. I mean, clearly, Fushi's able to stop it on, on, on multiple occasions, but it makes you wonder if over time the, the knocker got this strong and then right that and maybe eventually it beat fushi at one point i don't know that's just that's just me spec thinking of thinking out loud since you said <laughs> that because that that is a very interesting theory uh-huh yeah i'm glad you like it yeah it could could definitely be very interesting and the last thing i had on the beholder here is he says that he will be gone one day like fushi will presumably outlive him and I thought that was really interesting just because he he really seems like some kind of godlike being. And so mm -hmm. you wouldn't expect him to die or, or otherwise vanish or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But but apparently apparently he will somehow for some reason. So yeah. yeah, that was just an interesting little thing. Obviously we don't know we we don't have too much to go on regarding that, but still an interesting little piece of information. Indeed. Anything more on the beholder? No. Then 
Let's talk a little bit more about the knocker, actually. Oh, okay. We've already said a few things, but, um, well, we did see get to see in this volume that they are now using stone armor to block the fire, which was smart. They learned from the last time. And also, as we said earlier, they did steal March's form from Fushi, so that is, that's bad. Uh, really the first time they get away with stealing something. And of course it's March. Poor March. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, it escaped because of, like, the stones were cracking because of they, they were still hot from the fire, but then it got into the cold water, so they started to crack. I, I thought that, that was an interesting little little thing about that. And it, it will be interesting to see how Fushi deals with the armored knockers from here on out. If he does find some kind of solution that will work in all uh, situations, like even when there isn't water to cool it off with and stuff. Hmm. That that will be interesting. Yeah, he's gotta get he's gotta get a water type. <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. The rock is weak to water. Pokemon has taught me this. Yes, clearly. Yeah. So I I guess that that was all I wanted to just point out about the knocker. Uh, they definitely are growing and learning and you know yeah. evolving. And I wonder is it just the the knockers themselves that are learning? growing or is it mm. the person who is create who created the knockers adjusting them like giving them updates like software right updates. yeah <laughs> right exactly exactly or is it hardware in this case that is that is interesting because yeah again we don't know for a fact i guess that that's the case that there was someone who created them I mean, he's gotta be i think don't they say that i can't remember if they exactly said that uh, I think we at least speculated about it, though. Mm. I think they they are still very much a mystery, though. But but anyway, it's interesting to see, I guess, why they're learning and how they're learning. But I'm sure we'll learn more as we go on. Yep, yep. Do you have any other character from the kind of main part of the book uh, that you want to talk about? I do not. Okay. No. Then there's one other character from the last bit of it, the girl who tricks Fushi and Pioran to get on the ship that brings them to Jananda, the prison island. She appears to have an owl and a group of friends there on the island, and we don't really know too much else about her. It does seem like she had a reason, maybe, for bringing, for tricking Fushi and Pioran onto the ship, although that was also kind of, kind of hard to say exactly. And I just want to double check, she didn't get a name in this book, did she? I don't recall one. Yeah, I, yeah, because I don't remember seeing it here either. Uh, so she shall remain nameless for now. But yeah, I guess, do you have anything you would like to say about her or speculate or anything like that? I think she has like the biggest eyes uh, <laughs> out of anybody in this cast so far, I feel like. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Reen's fiancé would like her because he seemed to like her, like he, he liked Reen's big eyes. <laughs> I think that was like the first thing he said to her. Oh, you have big eyes. How cute. <laughs> so he he might like this girl. Anyway. I mean, so I'm wondering what could be the new bond he gains here, the f- familial bond, potentially. Hmm. Maybe, maybe she'll step away from family. Or maybe it'll be a big sister type of a thing. That would be nice. Or maybe little sister. I don't know. Whichever would be would be very nice, actually. But then again, you have like the... You have the other three people who are with Big Eyed Girl, so <laughs> I wonder. Not, then again, 
they had a whole thing. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm just kind of thinking out loud at this point. So right, right. The only thing we can do is read the next volume. <laughs> yes, yes, and I'm yeah. I I uh, I keep I keep on uh, looking forward to the next discussions of this series because these are some good books. Uh, we are past my two favorite ones, but that doesn't mean I don't love the rest of them. So, because because I, I I absolutely still do. Great. Yeah, you know, I I just hope it doesn't go downhill from here. You know, this is like on this incredible high of volume three and four, uh-huh. which I don't know which one I, I I can say I like better. Yeah. Because while four had me bawling, three was so important to their story and character progression mm-hmm. to make me feel the way I did in volume four. So it's yeah. kind of like uh, it, it's it's odd from or it's hard for me to say which one. Yeah. I like more. I actually, after having read volume four today, I also kind of felt that exact same way. They are very close. They're just s- such a great duo, kind of like they just work so well together because they really tell like one story together. Yeah. So yeah, dude, I'm so happy that you loved volumes three and four just as much as I did. I'm so happy about dude, that, and that you, you also did not overhype it at all. <laughs> That's good. I loved it. <laughs> well, wonderful. I'm so happy to hear it, and that that you also fell in love with these characters. So uh, much. So so happy so to hear that. Much. So yeah, what can I say? I'm excited to talk about volume five next time. So I guess that's it. If you enjoy the, our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga. If you like this episode, please share it around with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time where we'll talk about Volume 5. Bye-bye. See you later. the flower that did it because yeah that's what i said she, did, didn't i say that yeah uh, i think i thought you said ring did i say ring oh i'm, I'm sorry I'm, I, I'm sorry if i said ring i definitely meant the flower um, oh, okay now now i'm wondering maybe my hearing is going or, or may, maybe <laughs> maybe it's possible i said ring because i mean there's a bunch like it could have well, been on my mind anyway your magic editing editing skills will fix it <laughs> uh, or, or not maybe we'll keep all this we'll, we'll see we'll see regardless <laughs> uh yes the ring the, the flower <laughs> <I guess. laughs> We're definitely keeping this now.